But let's go ahead and open up our Bibles this evening. We're in the Gospel of John tonight, John chapter number 21, and we're concluding our series on the disciples of Jesus. Now, this series has not been a uh, biopic of every disciple, but what it has been is it has been a look at the interactions of the disciples as a whole with the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus ministered before them, as Jesus taught them, as Jesus instructed them, as Jesus brought them along in his journey to the cross, we've had, we've had the opportunity through the window of Scripture to learn just as those disciples had learned. And how many of you understand Jesus is still teaching his disciples the very same things today? His word has not changed. His focus has not changed He still works through his people today, and it is our job to do just like the song that was sung here tonight, to listen to his words and to obey them. So we're in John chapter number 21 this evening. We're going to begin reading with verse number one, and if you found your place there, let's stand together, if you're able to, out of respect for the reading of God's word. John chapter 21 We'll start here with verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathanael of Cana in Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast, therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. And this is a side note. I think you'll get a kick out of it tonight. How many of you are glad that the writer of this book knew he was the disciple that Jesus loved and referred to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved? Right? It's kind of like his telling of him going to the tomb to witness the fact that it was empty. And I love how he puts in there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God that he beat Peter in a foot race to get there, right? So what a blessing it is to to see sometimes the personality under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God of these writers uh, coming out here as well. The disciple whom Peter loved. Now notice with me as we jump back into our scripture here. Notice verse number seven, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he gird his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were 200 cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. 
Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, follow me. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Tonight, as we conclude this series on the disciples of Jesus, we're going to look at a passage that is rich with, I think, the heart of understanding of what we need to know as the disciples of Jesus. And tonight, the title of my message is Following, Failing, Following. Following, failing, following. And so let's pray tonight and let's ask God to bring these truths right to our heart tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you so thankful for your patience and long-suffering spirit toward your disciples. Lord, we are hard-headed. We many times lack the faith that we should have. We many times lack the faithfulness that we should show you. We many times revert back to our past and to our flesh. And yet, God, you work with us and you convict us and you call us to continue to follow you. And I pray tonight that though we may experience some failings, we would ultimately find ourselves following you as your disciples. So, Lord, give us a heart of understanding of how much you love us and what you've done for us. And give us, Lord, a desire to faithfully follow your call as your disciples. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Following, failing, 
following. As we enter into John chapter number 21, we're introduced to this chapter by being encouraged to think about the things that came before this chapter. Notice here in verse number one, it says, after these things. Well, what things? Well, let's summarize them for a moment. Jesus has really concluded his earthly ministry. He has gone through all of the pain and suffering that was foretold that he would go through. He has died on the cross. He now has risen again. And the only thing left for him to do is to give final instructions and to ascend up to heaven. To take his rightful place at the right hand of God. Which, by the way, is where he is right now tonight making intercession on our behalf. How many of you are glad Jesus has never stopped working on our behalf? And that's where he's at tonight, in heaven. And I want us just for a moment to place ourselves as disciples some 2,000 years later back in the shoes of these disciples and what they've gone through. They loved Jesus. Many of them left their vocations, left their families, believed in who he was, even though we've seen throughout our study that that faith had lapsed at points and they needed to be taught and they needed to be brought along and they needed to be encouraged. But they followed Jesus and now they have just finished entering into one of the most stressful seasons of ministry that anybody could possibly ever imagine going through. I mean, think of the dynamics of what's happened to these followers of Christ. They enter into the city of Jerusalem on one day after they hijack a donkey. How many of you remember that story? They walk up and they take a donkey and the man calls out and says, hey, that's my donkey. And they just reply to him, Jesus said to get him. How many wish you could go into the store, grab what you wanted, just look at the clerk and say, Jesus told me to, right? And they grab that donkey and Jesus gets on the back of that donkey and he enters into the city and there are people that are throwing down their cloaks and people that are throwing down the palm branches and people that are crying out, Hosanna in the highest, the king has come. And you can imagine the upswelling of joy that filled these disciples' hearts. And then they go from that moment to a moment in the garden of severity, weeping, and prayer, and such intense stress and pressure that the disciples can't even stay awake because of the fatigue. And then the soldiers enter into that garden, and the betrayal of Judas takes place with Jesus. And Peter pulls out a sword and chops off the ear of Malchus and Jesus heals that man and then is taken away right before their very eyes and they scatter afraid. Jesus is gone. And in a lonely night, Peter, alone, skulking in the background, watching what's transpiring, is questioned by several within the town Hey, you're one of those disciples, aren't you, Peter? No, I'm not. You're one of those disciples, aren't you, Peter? No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I've seen you with Jesus. And he curses and he denies Jesus a third time. 
Jesus told him this was going to happen. He said, this will never happen. How many of you have said, I would never do that to Jesus? And then you find yourself right there on your face. And Jesus is taken away. And he's beaten. Beaten beyond what we can even probably physically imagine. And as they hide, and as they lurk, and as they watch, and as they observe in secrecy, they see him taken up to the hill. They see him nailed to the cross. John, standing there with Mary, his mother, watches Jesus give up the ghost. He's taken from the cross. He's put in a tomb. News comes that he's no longer in the tomb. They run and exhaust themselves to get to the tomb. Some of them are still denying that Jesus is even who he said he was. In fact, the verses that come right before this chapter of Scripture are all about Thomas finally in that upper room, seeing the risen Savior and placing his hands in the very wounds of Christ. And finally, coming to the realization that Jesus did exactly what he promised he would do. And you can just imagine, if you would, for a moment, the tumult of emotions that are tugging and pressing and putting pressure on each one of these disciples. This is not what they could have imagined, even though Jesus told them this was what's going to happen. This is not what played out in their mind, even though now they're seeing it transpire right before their eyes. And in chapter 21, Jesus has made spotty appearances to them. In fact, this time in chapter 21 is just his third time that he appears to his disciples. And undoubtedly, like you would feel and like I would feel, they are feeling the disconnect. They are hiding. They are scared. They are uncertain. And these are men and women who follow Jesus for nearly three years, saw the miracles he performed, heard the teachings that he spoke, And now their whole world is upside down. Think about this. Think about the disconnect they feel from their teacher they followed for three years. And by the way, the comforter, the spirit of God has not even come yet. In fact, the comforter, the spirit of God won't come until Acts chapter number two. Won't come until many days later after Jesus ascends up into heaven. And so they're feeling this disconnect. They're feeling this loneliness. And how many of you in this world, you felt the disconnect. You felt the loneliness. And though you follow Jesus and you desire to be true to Jesus and you desire to be faithful to Jesus, how many of you are like me? You found yourself sometimes in those dark moments becoming uncertain, failing, falling, struggling, in your flesh, finding yourself at points of weakness, and sometimes even thinking to yourself, I don't know, I feel like giving up on this. You say, Pastor, have you felt that way before? Only on Mondays. I think that sometimes people think that pastors are superhuman, like they're super spiritual people. Like 
They never have any chinks in their armor and, and there's never any doubt or frustration or fear or loneliness or perplexation or, or, or they're, they're, they never have a, a down moment or a time where expectations aren't met. And I will tell you, uh, there are struggles that we have that, that everybody has. And, and I'm talking about these disciples. These are people that are household names. How many of you know Peter's a household name? He's a pretty big deal. He's got some pictures even, you know, paintings that have been made. I mean, people know who Peter is. People know who Thomas is. People know who John is. And these men struggled. And, and the thing that we have to understand about being a disciple and following Jesus is that we are all human. We all have a flesh that we need to die to daily. And yet in moments of pressure, of intensity, of confusion, of disconnect, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves failing and falling back into things that we have been saved from. And we've got to be careful as disciples to understand what needs to take place in our heart so that we can remain faithful in our following of the Lord. And so what's happening here in John chapter number 21? Well, we're going to look tonight at these failures. But as we look at these failures, we're going to look at the persistence to go ahead and follow Jesus. How many of you are glad tonight that our failures aren't the end of our story? Jesus is the end of our story. Now, now make no mistake about it. I'm not excusing sin. I'm not saying it's okay to lapse into sin. I'm not trying to give you a place of comfort concerning some sin you might be in right now and saying, it's okay, we're all human, even Peter sinned. That's not what I'm saying tonight. But what I am saying is that whatever failures we experience, how many of you are glad Jesus died for that failure? Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still doing what he's promised he will do. And we can still follow him. We can still follow him. So tonight, I want us, first of all, to look at memory failure. Let's look at memory failure. Hey, the guys are back together again, at least most of them. Verse number two, you've got Simon Peter, you've got Thomas, you've got Nathaniel, you've got the sons of Zebedee, you've got two other of his disciples. These are kind of the originals. These are the guys that we think of. Now, I know in our study, Jesus has spoken to his disciples and he's spoken to multitudes. And at, at some points, he had 70 disciples that he sent out. At some points, he had groups he sent out. But now here, at, at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, we're back down to, to kind of this original group again. Names that have become familiar to us. Names that we know of when we think of the 12. And notice what happens here. The pressure's on. The disconnect has been felt. Peter has denied Jesus three times. Jesus is now risen. His appearances have been spotty. And in verse number three, Simon says, I go a fishing. Now, isn't that interesting? Because what was Peter before he became a disciple of Jesus? He was a fisherman. But he was a fisher of fish. He was a fisher of fish. And isn't it funny how many times when we are disconnected from God, 
When we go through dark moments in our life, when we fail in our discipleship with him, our tendency is to revert right back to where we came from. And I'm not talking about any dark sin. I'm not talking about, oh man, I'm back on drugs or I'm back in lust or I'm back in these things. It doesn't even have to be some grievous thing. But how many of you understand sometimes we just get fed up with what's going on and man, I'm just going to focus on my job now. I'm just going to focus on my family now. Man, I've been hurt. Church didn't go the way I wanted it to. God didn't meet the expectations I put on his shoulders. I feel disconnected. And so I'm just going back to what was comfortable to me before I really became a disciple of Christ. This is what Peter did. I go a fishing. Hey, there's been some times in the ministry that I thought, well, let's just shut up the office and go do some fishing, okay? But it wasn't just Peter. Notice these other disciples. Peter says, I go a fishing. And then these disciples say, unto him, we go with thee. This is who they were. This is what they knew. And you may be right on the precipice of falling away from your time of discipleship with Jesus if you find yourself not engaged passionately in what he's calling you to do and reverting back to what's comfortable for you to do. That could be a warning sign. Maybe I'm not connected the way I need to be to my Savior. Notice in verse 3, they went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And I love this. And that night they caught nothing. And I love how Jesus works with them. Because this is what Jesus does. And this is what he does with me. I hope it's what he does with you. I believe it is what he does with you. When I lapse and when I go back to something that's comfortable to me, when my focus changes and it gets off of Jesus and gets on other things, he reminds me of who I am without him and he reminds me of what he's done for me and he reminds me of what he's called me to and that's exactly what he's preparing to do with these disciples notice what takes place they're out there they're back to their old life they're catching nothing verse 4 but when the morning was now come jesus stood on the shore but the disciples knew not that it was jesus then jesus saith unto them children have ye any meat they answered him no and he said unto them cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast their four, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. How many to you, that sounds like a familiar story? It should sound like a familiar story because that's how it all started in the first place. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter number 5. Luke chapter number 5. We're going to look at a lot of verses tonight, so bear with me. Luke chapter number 5, and notice with me verse number 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, of course, speaking of Jesus, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, 
and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, by the way, that's Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had less speaking, he said unto Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Sound familiar to you? Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draft of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. All these guys that were there in chapter number 21 of John. Which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is how it all started. This is how these disciples were called to the ministry of Jesus. And now as Jesus has completed really his earthly ministry and they were disconnected and they were confused and they were in a mess, Jesus takes the time to duplicate the very scenario that brought them into the ministry in the first place. He shows them, I am still God. I am still your Savior. I am risen from the dead. And I know you're confused. And I know you're frustrated. And I know you're hurt. And I know you're dismayed. And I know you're disappointed. But I'm not going away. And I am the bread of life. And I'm here for you tonight. And I want you to let down those nets one more time. Because Peter and sons of Zebedee, you're not meant to catch fish. You're still meant to catch men. And how many of you are glad our God's still after men tonight? And we go through these times where we're disconnected and we're frustrated and we forget who God is and we forget what he's done for us and we forget what he's called us to do and we focus on other things that are more comfortable for our flesh. And yet Jesus tenderly and Jesus effectively comes into my life and comes into your life and reminds us, I'm the God who saved you. I'm the God who called you. And I have a wonderful purpose for you. And I want you to stay connected to what I've called you to do. You see, there was a memory failure here. In all the pressure, and in all the stress, Peter and these disciples had forgotten what Jesus had really called them to do. And they became used to hiding. And they became used to running. And they became used to failing. And they said, I go a fishing. How many of you are glad that Jesus still meets us at our points of failure? Jesus could have said, you guys never learn anything. 
I'm done with you guys. You go out and fish and catch nothing all night. You know what? Sometimes God will even come into our world and he'll even bless us while we're failing him in order to remind us it's not you anyway. You can go out there and do whatever's comfortable to you and you can fail miserably all night, but I'm for you. I came to die in your place. I've redeemed you. I've called you to myself and my plan is still the same for you. Go and catch men. Sound like a teenage boy up here tonight with my voice cracking and... Preaching hard doesn't work well when you're losing your voice, I think. We see a memory failure. They forgot, but Jesus is reminding them. And I love what Peter did there in Luke chapter number five. At that first encounter when they pulled up those nets, he fell down before Jesus as a man undone. And he said, Jesus, we will follow you. We will be fishers of men. And notice what happens here in the Gospel of John, chapter number 21. They cast their nets over in verse 6. They catch a multitude of fishes. And then notice in verse number 7 that John points out, this is the Lord, and Peter's reaction again is now this. He girds his fisher coat on him, for he was naked, and he did cast himself into the sea. How many of you know Peter can't stay in a boat? He sees Jesus, he just comes out of the boat. He's walking on water, he's swimming to Jesus. And he sees him again, and man, do you see Jesus? Can you see him showing up in your life? Can you see him when you're distressed and you're perplexed and you're frustrated and you've watched enough news for that night, and then he shows up and he says, hey, trust in me, rest in me, believe in me. Look at who I am and look at what I've done for you. And Peter responds and he jumps out of the boat and he swims to the shore while the others are dragging the fish in. If you're struggling tonight with memory failure, Jesus is there in his word and with his spirit to remind you about who he is in your life. And I hope that our response to him is not to continue in going fishing and in living in the focus of what's comfortable to our flesh, but I hope that we will do like Peter and we will jump out of that boat and we will swim to that shore to engage once more with our blessed Savior. We see not only memory failure in this passage, but we see heart failure. We see heart failure. This is pointed out by Jesus as now he deals very personally with Peter. We don't have time to dissect every verse in this chapter of Scripture, but I want to encourage you to jump down with me to verse number 15. Jesus takes the fish that they've caught, or he has his own, and he's there on the shore cooking this fish and making provision for these hungry and exhausted disciples to come and find nutrients. And he makes the invitation in verse 12 for them to come and dine. And then he focuses in on Peter in verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? 
Now, there's a lot of speculation on exactly what Jesus is referring to. What does he mean when he asks Peter, do you love me more than these? And a lot of people have given their opinions about what this is. So I'll tell you mine. All right. Since so many people have, I'll tell you mine. I believe that he's referring to the work of their own hands, the fish that has been brought in that really Jesus had provided for them. Because this is what Peter said. I'm not going to focus on what God died for me and rose for me and is going to empower me to do. I'm going to go fishing. And this is my love and this is my comfort and this is what I'm used to. And what Jesus is challenging Peter on, I believe, is do you love what's comfortable for you to do in your own work? Remember, you caught nothing all night. Do you love that more than you love me? Because, Peter, you've denied me. Peter, you've said you don't know who I am. And you said that three times. And the last time you said it, you said it emphatically, cursing as you said it. And so, Peter, I'm not going to let this go. I'm not going to let this heart failure continue. And how many of you are glad that Jesus in his word does not pull punches, does not let us live in this comfort zone where our heart can rot and fall away from him? How many of you are glad that his word is sharper than any two-edged sword and cuts straight through all of the stuff that we put out there on the facade and divides even the bone and the marrow? It's quick and it's powerful and he deals with us. And here, I believe Jesus is performing a little bit of heart surgery on Peter. And he's saying, I'm not just going to let this go, Peter. I know you jumped out of the boat half naked. I know that you're making this big show of coming to me. But Peter, there's still some stuff that we have to deal with. And Peter, you denied me three times. And so I'm going to challenge you three times. Peter, do you love your comfort zone? Do you love your nets? Do you love your fish? Do you love your occupation? Do you love occupying your mind and heart with the things of the world? Or are you loving me enough to really feed my sheep? To really be the fishers of men that I've called you to be. And so he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? I believe on a daily basis, the Holy Spirit of God comes into your heart and mind and challenges us, do you love this world more than my kingdom? Do you love the things of this life? Do you love your comfort zones? Is that why you won't step out by faith and teach that class? Is that why you won't adjust your schedule to work in this ministry? Is that why these things over here are more important to you than the things that I've called you to to engage in as a believer to win others to me? And I believe Jesus confronts us constantly in his spirit. Do you love me more than you love these things that you're putting before me? How many of you understand tonight that anything that we put before God is an idol? Anything that we put before God in our life is an idol. And this is a heart issue. This is a heart failure. Do you love me more than these? And Peter's answer is, he saith unto him, Yes, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith to him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? How many think it's clicking for Peter right now? How many of you know Jesus knows exactly what we need to hear 
exactly the way that we need to hear it because he's concerned with us and he deals with our hearts individually because he knows us and he wants us to be right with him. How many of you are glad we have a God that wants us to be right with him? I'm glad our God doesn't get dismissive or doesn't get you know, so frustrated with us to the point that he's like, I'm not working with these people anymore. I'm glad he does convict our heart. I'm glad he does send his spirit. I'm glad he does convict us with his word. And he challenges our heart and he says, do you love me? We've seen a memory failure. We've seen a heart failure. And lastly, I want us to see a vision failure and we'll be done. A vision failure. So Peter goes through all of this. This is why I called this sermon following, failing, and following. Because how many of you know we're not done failing yet? Hopefully we're failing forward in the grace of God, but we're not done failing yet. Hopefully we're not done following yet. And notice what happens with Peter. He says, yes, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And then Jesus says, well, this is your life then. You're able to walk around and do what you want under your own power and your own strength. Verse 18, but there's going to come a day that people are going to take hold of you and they're going to lead you where you don't want to go, speaking of the way he would die. And of course, we know that pretty much all of the apostles, except the one Jesus loved, (laughs) was martyred, died for the cause of Christ. And Peter in verse number 20, and, and Jesus says all this in verse 19, and then he says, follow me. So that's a disciple. Hey, Peter, you're going to die serving me. Follow me. And here's Peter in verse 20. Then Peter turning about. Here's John writing about himself. Seeing the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said to the Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what about this guy? You say, I'm going to die. What about him? And, and again, this is our tendency. Peter, again, he just jumped out of a boat. He just made right with God. I love you. Go ahead, call me. I'll do whatever you want. Okay, Peter, you're going to die. Follow me. What about that guy? Now, how many of you are like me? You can see yourself in all of this. Following, failing, following. Following, failing, following. Following, failing, following. And here's Peter. His vision's all messed up. His eyes are off Christ again. And now they're on John. What about this guy? You say, I'm going to die. What about John? I love Jesus' answer. And it's the answer we should hold in our heart concerning the same issues that we deal with with our vision. He says in verse 22, if I will that he survives and lives and lives a long life, if he tarries till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Hey, what can I tell you after, after this series, after we've looked at all of these interactions with the disciples and with Jesus and all that we've learned and all of the things that we're called to and all of the sacrifice that we're called to and, 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 and knowing that every day we have failures and we need to make right with God and it can be discouraging and it can be distracting and we can feel disconnected at moments. And yet Jesus is always there to remind us and to work with us and to convict us and to challenge our heart and to help our memory so that we remember who he is and what he's done for us and so that he can perform surgery on our heart so we'll have the right heart towards him and so he can give us new cataracts so we can have the right vision. 
And Jesus is doing all of that, and it gets hard, and we feel disconnected again, and we fail again. What can I say to that except what Jesus said to Peter on the 952nd time he failed? I count them all up in Scripture, okay? What can I say other than keep following Jesus? And maybe you don't feel like it tonight. I don't know. Maybe you don't feel like it in your home. Maybe you don't feel like it in your marriage. Maybe you don't feel like it in your church. Maybe you don't feel like it in this relationship or that relationship. Maybe you've suffered in some way. You've been hurt in some way. You've been distracted in some way. You failed in some way and are in this feeling of guilt and and, and difficulty and disconnect. What can I say? All I can say is Jesus has shown all throughout our study with these disciples how much he is long-suffering and gracious and forgiving and wants to teach us and wants to instruct us and wants to bring us along. And after all that Peter did and after all that Peter learned, still in the very last moments of the book of John, he's struggling with his vision and all Jesus says unto him is, stay focused, Peter. And follow me. Do you realize this? In our flesh, we might not be able to get over some things. But if you will be completely consumed with the brightness of Christ, he can eclipse the other things that are in our life. If you'll keep looking to him, if you'll keep following him, his brightness can drown out all the other things that take place. And that's the only way I can explain how each one of these primary disciples gave their life in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is because they continued to see him above everything else. I don't know about you, but God is still working on my memory. I don't know about you, but God is still working on my heart. I don't know about you, but God is still working on my vision. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep following him. I'm going to keep following the one who continues to be patient with me. I'm going to keep following the one who continues to love me. I'm going to continue to follow the one who's given me these promises and has secured my soul and continues to minister to me through his word. And I'm going to keep following him.